You're listening to Sprott Money's Monthly Wrap-Up with Craig Hemke. Well, hello again for Sprott Money News at SprottMoney.com. It is late in the month of October 2022, so it's time for your monthly wrap-up. I'm your host, Craig Hemke. Joining us this month is Connor O'Brien. Many of you will recall from times we visited with Connor in the past, he's a business partner of Eric Sprott. So he's always a good person to talk to, find out what his thoughts are. Connor, thank you so much for joining me again on the monthly wrap-up. Uh, Craig, thanks for having me. How are you? Well, I'm fine, thank you. And and uh, I have a question for you as we get started. Sure. Because um, I, I think most folks know you're, you're up in Canada, you're in Toronto. It's starting to get a little chilly up there. Have you seen any Christmas decorations or heard any Christmas music yet? Well, we're uh, getting ready for Halloween here mostly. I've got yes. three young daughters that are all... Uh, going to be the chipettes for halloween oh sweet yeah i saw everybody's I saw, very excited i saw a great picture on twitter of a guy dressed up he had his daughters dressed up like uh from the, a league of their own the, the movie about girls oh yeah, yeah yeah and he had a hat on he was dressed up with the manager holding a, a beer it was fantastic Beautiful. uh so so yeah, anyway we take no, halloween pretty seriously up here that's for sure so i would i'm looking had forward to that first already. yeah so no christmas yet yet not yes. All Probably right. Next well, week. the only reason I bring it up is because at SprottMoney.com, you will find the Sprott Money Holiday Gift Guide. It is already up and posted here on October 27th. Now, it's for U.S. customers only at this point, but this is something you can download, start to look through. Uh, nothing better than giving a gift of physical metal, especially uh, now in this day and age. And actually, if you for kids, for grandkids, you want to get them started, get them holding some sound money in their own two hands. This is a place you want to do it. Go to SprottMoney.com. Look up the holiday gift guide. It's right there on the homepage. If you want to order something, give them a call. 888-861-0775. All right, Connor. Um, let's dive right in. What a heck of a month we've had. And what a heck of a month I'm sure November is going to be. We're going to be right at it with uh, the Fed and the next FOMC meeting uh, next week. But as we look back in October, one of the things that's going to stand out in my mind uh, is just the, the crazy supply and demand situation, uh, and really in all commodities, copper and the like, but particularly in silver. I would assume you've got some thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, I can tell you that for the like Sprott Money customer that we are buying in earnest thousand ounce silver bars at the moment and uh, we're finding them a little bit more difficult to find at the moment we know that it's very hard to find um, retail level silver where I, everybody has seen the zero hedge article this morning and commenting on twitter about uh, how appmex is willing to pay ten ten dollars through spot to basically any customer per ounce but, uh, you know, here we are trading at 1955, as I see it, down four cents. And uh, you kind of wonder as to what is kind of going on behind the scenes. And I would just say from our perspective, the reason why we're doing it is because you see the supply and demand side of this metal and you just know that something's got to give. Like where somebody's willing to pay 30 bucks US for an ounce of silver Yet it trades on the COMEX for 1950. Yeah. Uh, so let's go through a little bit of the demand side then. Okay. 
let's st let's start with actually the Silver Institute's projections for 2022 were of a, for a deficit of 100 million ounces. Okay, obviously that's way before this year started, uh, where they had no idea that there would be a Russian conflict. They had no idea that there'd be an Inflation Reduction Act. They didn't know that natural gas prices in Europe would soar to all-time highs and then some. Obviously, that's pulled back quite a bit as supply has kind of generated itself, but nonetheless, still very much an energy crisis that's been ongoing. Uh, but then you you're, you kind of go down the list of demands where you're just kind of like, well, India, let's start with that. Yeah. So in uh, in 2021, <clears throat> they bought 3,000 tons of, of silver. Call it, call it 100 million ounces if you want to. This year, so far, they've bought 8,500 tons. And uh, if you annualize that, that's somewhere between 10 and 11,000 tons, which is somewhere around 350 million ounces. The third. Right. And so when you look at global annual production of, call it 800 million ounces, they're taking up what? Almost half of it? Almost as, half, as really. Yeah, you're right. As one consumer alone, and sure enough, some of that's industrial, but a lot of that is uh, like Indians, uh, they buy gold and silver, and they're very savvy buyers of it. They buy it on the cheap when when gold's cheap, and they buy it silver on, on the cheap when it gets cheap, and clearly that's kind of where we are. So there's 350 million ounces that we didn't think was going to be part of the demand equation for uh, silver. Then you get into the solar side, where as an alternative energy, uh, solar panels are being put in all over the globe. Even in places like the UK, we hear installations are up three times, uh, where it's, I don't think you would call it Africa sunny. And ultimately, we, are, we were of the understanding that now silver is being used two to 300% more in solar panels in order to get the electricity amped up. So what, the, so what the Silver Institute carries as a demand number for 2022 is 130 million ounces. Hmm. Now we hear that if the solar use, or sorry, the silver usage in solar panels goes up two to three times, but then solar installations are ramping up to the nth degree all over the globe. What is that number going to be? Now you're talking that you might have a deficit somewhere on the order. And I mean, this is just so bizarre to say, but it's the truth of like three to 500 million ounces. Like how often can you keep doing that? Well, and we're seeing great physical depletion around the world and it's consistent uh, with the, the LBMA <laughs> for all their wards. Oh, right. uh, what did they report in September? Their vaults were down 5%? Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure you're seeing what's been going on in COMEX with the yeah. registered supplies falling. Um, yeah. Registered being down to a, a piddly 35 million ounces. <laughs> well, it makes you wonder, you know, and you've got this, yeah. this price that gets quoted on CNBC and Bloomberg that is the futures price. And the futures price is determined by the supply and the demand of the futures contracts, not the physical right. metal. You know what? So, Craig, I guess there must be a lot of supply. We might as well go through the supply side. Right. Let's talk about that. Well, the supply side, you just kind of wonder to yourself, as investors in silver who are literally in tune with almost every tick of this metal where we search high and low for companies that are even some way investable uh which might see themselves being uh with 
some kind of find or some some kind of an asset that could put itself into production. And they're very, very hard to find. And so you look all over the globe where you're like, I wonder who's producing all this silver. And you sit there and go, well, the supply side from places like Peru has gone from like 160 million ounces in like 2016, something like that around there. And now it's 100 million ounces. Uh And like places like Australia, which used to produce 80 million ounces, now produces 35. You just sit there and kind of go like, well, where is all this going to come from? And the fact of the matter is, is you know that uh, supply from just about anywhere in the globe is going lower, but demand is going way, way higher, like exponentially higher. But here we are where you have these CTAs that are just feeding on one another. Yeah. Uh, who short silver, who sell paper silver short, and all on the matter of that the DXY ticked up by a tick. Yep. Or that the US 10 year rate ticked up by a tick. Yep. And so there, inversely, we must sell silver as a result. But the guy who's doing the solar really doesn't care that that's what the what the last tick was in the DXY and nor does India care either. They just sit there and wave it in and take the physical metal and just kind of laugh about it. Well, it does set up again, a situation we've seen in the past. I mean, most recently March of 2020 when in just a global liquidation event as COVID was setting in, well, I mean, Comex silver went to 12 something, right? But you couldn't right. buy it anywhere for less than 25. Right. And eventually you had this uh, correction that bifurcation is not allowed. I would imagine you think that's probably where we're headed again. Yeah. We had a lot of people short covering their paper at those prices, didn't we? Yep. <laughs> that's right. I don't know whether or not they're waiting for another like capitulatory type of event, but it doesn't really seem to be coming from the retail side anytime soon, nor from India, nor from solar. And when the supplies and demand dynamics are kind of like what they already are, like, we don't really know what people are waiting around for. I mean, if all of a sudden you get some kind of fed, let's just use that word pivot that everybody's hoping for. I mean, it's tough to do in the face of inflation where it's like somewhere between six and 10%. Uh, it's tough for them not to kind of keep that whole momentum going or that kind of fed speak about it. But if you ever get something like that, which the market's kind of trying to sense where the dollar again is flat today and is down for whatever, three or four, five three or four of the last five days and all of a sudden the u.s 10 years now below four percent i mean the market might be telling you something right well let me ask you that that'd be the second thing uh the other other item i wanted to ask you about uh as we wrap up october um because we've all been looking for that fed pivot heck i was writing about it back in in january and i thought it would come by summer because i thought all it would take would be a 20 percent drop in the s p and uh, that did not prove correct. They keep on going. Uh, yeah, right. However, we might look back at October as the month when uh, the gears started to shift a little bit. We had right. the situation in the UK, but even just yesterday, your, I'll give it, I'm going to call it your Bank of Canada. Yes, Connor. please do. <laughs> uh, your friends at the Bank of Canada didn't hike as much as everybody's expected. What do you make of all that? I think that when you see new home sales for September. And this is like a new home from a developer for the month of September in Toronto with 6 million people as a population that they sold 45 houses, (laughs) 45, 45. And you just look at an an economy like 
uh, Canada's or even micro like Toronto's and surrounding areas that so much of it has been built up on housing and so much in terms of people's net worth is attributable to their housing. In other words, they are using their homes as like lines of credit in order to finance other pur purchases of like their Mercedes Benz or stock purchases or whatever it is, their Gucci bags or their groceries for that matter. I mean, it, it basically kind of all falls down to that home equity line of credit. Now, all of a sudden, if you've got, let's say your house was worth a million bucks before, now it's worth kind of 750 and you were taking out money against it, your home price is down 25%. It's not a pretty sight, especially if your income starts to go lower. So them doing uh, 50 basis points, no kidding. I wouldn't be surprised if that's it. Like you saw what happened in Australia. They did the same thing. Now, obviously, infl inflation's ramped back up again there, but they're the same kind of situation where it's, mm -hmm. again, very financialized. Mm -hmm. Their housing prices have done nothing but good for the citizens who own the properties. Well, and Connor, by the way, you can, yes, sir. If, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but did, yeah, yeah. it sounds to me like it's maybe not full blown like Japan, but is the loony going to go the way of the yen? I mean, if the Fed keeps on pushing and, and Canada can't keep up, it sounds like you might get a little pressure on your uh, Canadian dollar. Well, you know what I would say that the one thing that the Canadian dollar might have going for it is uh, commodity prices, <laughs> where energy prices, if they continue to let kind of uh, the supply side, where, you know, where there's really not a heck of a lot of investment going on into uh, uh, hydrocarbons, uh, that you might find some support for the Canadian dollar as a result of that. And the same as the Australian dollar. But uh, it's still, the, the fact remains, uh, do, do you see that of the, uh, of the pound? Maybe. It's right. depending on what they want to do in order to kind of like stem the guilt market and, uh, you know, basically give a free pass to the pension funds who are using these LDIs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you just kind of look and... You know, obviously, uh, everybody asks the question, well, is this going to happen in the U.S.? Right. Or who, who uses this, this kind of leverage in the United States? Well, there is a whole list of them. And I don't know whether or not everybody knows it, but I'll give you I'll give you a few examples where Raytheon Technologies has 55 billion in defined benefit assets, 23 billion of which are LDI assets. Oh, goodness okay then there's ups united parcel service yeah that's right 52 billion in assets it has 20.9 billion in ldi i mean the list goes on general electric 61 billion ldi assets 20.3 billion like the leverage in the system is kind of being unwound and you don't know where all the losses really hide uh, obviously we know that there's been uh, you, you can measure it mathematically in terms of the losses that uh, the markets have sustained in the United States, where uh, I think it was as of the end of August, Bank of America put something out that between credit and equity, the losses were on the on the order of 58 trillion. You kind of sit there and wonder, you're like, I, I wonder if these guys are pressing a little too hard. Uh, in terms of interest rates. And there's no question in my mind that they're doing it just because of the pressure that they're putting on companies, the pressure that they're putting on pensions, the, pe the pressure that they're putting on individuals, the pressure that they're putting on house, house prices. And this is all in, the, in a matter of six months. Like where 
essentially in February, they were still buying MBS. Right. Like mortgage-backed securities. You just kind of like, this is in the same calendar year. Right. And then since that, like the NASDAQ's down 30%. And I mean, that that for like some of the stocks in it are down 80, 85. I mean, and you see the likes of Google, Meta, Microsoft, and you're kind of like, is this the bottom for the NASDAQ? I don't know. (laughs) I would guess not. I don't really have much of an opinion on it, but truthfully, it's it's tough to make a, a case for it. And, and Connor, just to back up, so this was something that was such big news. What happened in the UK? I want to make sure everybody understands what 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 you what you're discussing. As I understand it, the pension you know your pension fund has this uh, return target that they've got to meet for all their future liabilities. But with rates at one and two percent, they couldn't possibly come close with those traditional kind of fixed income investments. And so they lever them, they collateralize them, and they you, know, you buy. Uh, ten million dollars of this, and then you pledge it, and you buy another nine million dollars. Then you pledge that, and you buy another eight million dollars, yeah. um, and that's how you get hyper levered to low interest rates. That's what we're talking about, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So as rates rise, that whole thing just implodes. Yeah, and the cost of funding any of these trades goes way up too, in terms of the uh, rate on the derivative, or you know, you can name it from. Almost any perspective, the price of all of it is going up. And yep. when the, and when the uh, price of the asset that you bought is now down 25, 30%, I mean, the losses just end up being staggering. So <clears throat> in the end, let's close with this, Connor. Um, we're going to turn the corner now in the last couple months of the year. Do you think we're close? Do you think, uh, because, and, and what do you expect to happen if, if when um, the Fed has to kind of finally turn and pivot? I, there's no doubt in my mind that they're going to have to pause or they're nearer to the end. Uh, everybody has their opinion on that. But really what I think you have to do is just kind of like, like for silver for us is, is priority one, two, and three. And you just kind of look at the supply and dyna- demand dynamics of it. And so you can kind of take maybe the Fed out of it for a minute. And you can just sit there and say to yourself, there's no doubt that solar is going to be a thing for the next decade there's no doubt and uh, i mean you just kind of look at it from a supply side you're like there's really no supply coming there's no real investment that's gone into these uh, mines in terms of like getting them into production there's like none so like where does the world come up with 800 million ounces every year mm-hmm. like obviously they rely on recycling quite a bit for one to 200 million ounces but Again, I just think that taking the Fed out of the equation for silver is probably appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's and, like- and I mean, I, really, you can attribute that to copper, nickel, lithium. Yep. You can kind of see how they all trade, but lithium doesn't really uh, have the monkey on its back. And I know we, we all know what I'm referring to in terms right. of <laughs> nobody's selling paper lithium because the guy who wants the lithium is taking the lithium. Not always is that the case with silver, despite the fact of what's happened on the COMEX for the last couple of years, where they're using this area because the silver's cheap and always basically trading at the spot market where they know that they can get the metal at that price. And it's it's the cheapest silver you can find in quantity. And it, it, in the end, it's a little bit econ 101, right? I mean, if you like uh, apartments in New York City, if you have rent control, and you artificially hold the price low, you end up with shortages. Absolutely. And here we are. Absolutely. Well, absolutely. Uh, sure sets us up. Again, I just, it's such a compelling story. I'm glad you're able to fill in some of what 
you and Eric are thinking. And yeah, uh, again, we were speaking with Connor O'Brien, a longtime business partner of Eric Sprott's. And so it's always good to get your perspective, Connor. And I, before we go, I just want to remind everybody, again, this content is brought to you free of charge by Sprott Money. So if you want to thank them for all they do through the course of the month with the Ask the Expert or uh, all the free articles that are posted on their site, the video I do with Chris Vermeulen every month. Anyway, all, you get all that for free. Uh, give them at least a like or a subscribe on whatever channel you're listening to. That'll help them spread the word. But then again, the, it's time to be buying some physical metal. Uh, great time for holiday gift shopping as well. Stop by SprottMoney.com. Check it all out. And of course, always just give them a call if you want to talk to a human being. 888-861-0775. Connor, thank you so much for your time. It's always fascinating to visit with you. Anytime, sir. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And from all of us at Sprott Money, thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your month of October. And we look forward to talking to you again in November.